0: I'm Anna Healy-Fenton, and welcome to this week's programme in the Peaks and Troughs series. Well, whatever you want to call it, rubbish, trash, lap garbage, it's all the same. We don't want to think about it, do we? But there it is, and as a true throwaway society, Hong Kong creates more than almost any nation on Earth per capita. So this week we're looking at where does it all go? Tom Yam is a retired engineer and management consultant and has made a very close study of what our waste policy is?
1: Uh, it's bad and it's going worse. Hong Kong has one of the world highest per capita weight disposed, and it's getting worse in the last three years. The amount of waste per person goes up from 1.3 kilo to one point, uh, 1.27 to 1.3.
0: So let me get that right. 1.27 to 1.33? Correct. That's almost a half a kilo increase.
1: It is. And to make it worse, the amount of waste we recycle decreased from 43% uh, in 2011 to 37% in 2013. So that's going in completely the wrong direction. Entirely wrong. It's trending the wrong direction. So what are we doing about it? Well, the government claimed they have a policy to reuse, reduce, and recycle. uh, But the uh, budget review itself... They spend 97 percent of the budget in the last few years on building facilities to dispose waste, okay? 40 billion in incinerator, landfill expansion, sludge incinerator, and so on. And only three percent, like 24 million in educational recycling, and only one billion proposed to encourage the recycling industry. So we can tell. Their priority is not in recycling; it's in building facilities.
0: This sounds like the old Hong Kong story of let's have infrastructure as a quick fix.
1: Right. Uh, it's a simple matter approach. Uh, cavemen, years ago been doing that. They don't need you no. Know, you don't need real insight to to do that. And they, of course, they claim that uh, you have this three-colour recycling bin all over Hong Kong. But the fact is, those three-colour bin only collected. 700 tons of recyclable waste a year.
0: How much is that in percentage terms of all of the
1: waste? That's 0.01% of the waste generated in Hong Kong.
0: Are you serious? 0.01%?
1: Well, that's straight from the EPT statistics. You can look it up.
0: So that's just um, a showcase.
1: It's totally inconsequential. It's something that government can wave their hand and say, we are doing recycling. Now, they also have some community estate-based test program but those programs never takes off in the last decades. So, But then they can say, yeah, we're doing something in this estate, but they never expand into a citywide program.
0: So what's going on in other cities like Taipei?
1: Well, Taipei, they started imposing waste charging to decrease the amount of waste generated. But at the same time, they also legislate, mandate, Waste separation and recycling. So they force the population to recycle. They have to. Uh, They increase the recycling rate from like 30% to 60%. By making people do it. Exactly. As you know, uh, it's a very simple equation. You want to reduce the amount of waste disposed, you need to reduce the amount of waste generated and increase the amount of waste to recycle. That would seem to be fairly obvious. It's obvious, but Hong Kong, they neglect the other variables of recycling and only work on decreasing waste generation. So that's not enough. It takes. It takes. You need to work on both variables to achieve the desired result.
0: So the equation is this: must recycle more and throw away less.
1: Exactly. Uh, so you know, put it in simple equation: the amount of waste to dispose equal the amount of waste to generate minus the way ways to recycle. Simple as that. And you cannot. Achieve the result of reducing waste disposal by only working on the waste generated.
0: Right. So tell me about the incinerator. Is that going to fix all the problems?
1: Not at all. Incinerator is simply another disposal disposal facilities. And uh, Hong Kong government is spending a lot of money on that. How much? Uh, the incinerator costs about 19 billion. It will be the most expensive incinerator in the world by the time it's completed.
0: That was Tom Yam explaining why we really are scoring a could-do-better in the school report on waste disposal. And Tom should know because he really does keep an eye on all of this stuff. I should put my hand up at this point and say that I do live on South Lantau, which is in the area of the proposed incinerator on Sekku Koo Chow, and I am on the committee of the Living Islands Movement. Elvis Ao is the assistant director of the EPD, that's the Environmental Protection Department, the government department that handles waste disposal in Hong Kong. I asked him, how big is our rubbish problem
2: here? Um, We have uh, 9,500 tonnes of waste to be disposed of at the landfills every day.
0: 9,500 tonnes. That's an awful lot of rubbish, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. So we need to do something about it.
0: So what's the government's policy on this now?
2: Well, we have uh, launched a blueprint on the sustainable use of resources to really encourage the reduction of waste in the first instance. And then we also promote the recycling of waste.
0: So tell me about the recycling, because I've been looking at your statistics, and you know your budget is a bit skewed. You're only spending 3% of your budget on recycling, or promoting recycling.
2: Um, We have been doing a lot on recycling Uh, in the past few years. uh, We have uh, launched a number of recycling programmes, in Wh- the which ones are they? Uh, the programme includes a uh, recycling programme on plastic, on bottles, on food waste, on papers. Um, and in fact, for those that are valuable, I think most of this material has been recycled.
0: Well, I've looked at the statistics for those coloured bins, and I say that they're only handling uh, a really small amount, 0.01% of, of the waste. That's not very much, is it?
2: Well, I think you have to look at the big picture,
0: Okay, so in Hong Kong,
2: uh, we have 9,500 tons of municipal waste mm. that's now disposed of the landfills. Uh, we recycle about 40% of waste. And for the rest, uh, the waste is now going to the landfills. But in future, we are going to encourage more recycling and waste How are you going waste to do that? and we are also going to build the waste-to-energy facilities for Hong Kong.
0: Okay, but how are you going to encourage recycling? Well,
2: I think we approach the recycling on a number of fronts. First of all, we promote awareness and education. Secondly, we have also launched a number of uh, subsidised schemes to encourage recycling of food waste and other materials as far as possible.
0: But it's not really working, Elvis, is it? Because when you look at the amount, we look at the numbers, are dreadful. Uh, you know, we're, we're throwing away 1.33 kilos a day per person, and that's in three years gone up from 1.27 kilos. That's pretty bad.
2: But you have to look at this uh, on the longer-term horizon. You know, in the past 10 years, the amount of waste that has been recycled has increased a lot. From and what to what? Well, I think that 10 years ago, we have, uh, uh, I think, a much lower recycling rate. Now, we, the recycling has been much higher. Of course, I think we need to do more on the recycling. So that's why the government has launched a blueprint on the sustainable use of resources. And we have also launched uh, another plan on the food waste and yard waste to promote the recycling and the reductions. So this plan will help to really, uh, I think, encourage the community to do more. But in, when we
0: look at the money, and it always comes down to the money in Hong Kong, doesn't it? You're spending 40 billion on sludge incinerators, incinerators, and landfill, and only 24 million on uh, encouraging recycling. That's not really putting your money where your mouth is, is it?
2: Uh, but the fact is that we are doing all this uh, in parallel. You look at our blueprint, we are promoting the waste reductions, we are also promoting recycling, we are also promoting. Uh, all these uh, waste-to-energy facilities to recycle uh, the waste into useful resources.
0: Okay, now uh, I've looked at the, the figures for Taipei, which is quite a good parallel, mm-hmm. and they had to change the law to get recycling going. Are you going to do that here?
2: Uh, we have, actually, uh, we are developing a number of legislation at the moment, like the powder responsibility scheme that we are uh, developing right now, and the bill is now with the Legislative Council.
0: And will that have teeth?
2: Of course, you know. This legislation legislations uh, will set out the framework for this kind for different types of waste, including bottles, uh, and also we are also developing other port responsibility scheme. Um, we are also, you know, uh, having uh, our discussions in the community about the future waste charging. Uh, we're developing details at the moment, but at the same time, we're also building the necessary infrastructure for Hong Kong to uh, enable. Uh, Better use of those uh, waste resources.
0: Now, you're you're not going to be sorting the rubbish before it goes into the incinerator, are you?
2: Well, this waste sorting will be done at at the household level.
0: But how are you going to get them to? At the community level. How are you going to get them to do that?
2: Well, I think this has to be uh, undertaken through a number of means. Uh, This has to be taken through the education and awareness program. We have also a number of schemes supported by the Environmental Conservation Fund to promote the recycling at the community level. Uh, We are also building a number of green stations around Hong Kong in
0: the 80
2: district uh, to promote the community recycling. So, all this will help to recycle the resources at the household and community level. Uh, For those that cannot be recycled, uh, then these will have to be uh, delivered to the future facility to recover the energy from waste.
0: To recover the energy from waste. Explain how that will work.
2: Well, I think we are going to build a modern waste-to-energy facility uh, at an artificial island in Sekuchang.
0: Oh, you mean the incinerator?
2: Oh, no, it's not an incinerator. It's a modern waste-to-energy facility that has been adopted uh, around the world to convert uh, waste to resources.
0: Elvis, are you telling me this is not an incinerator?
2: It's not a conventional incinerator. It's a modern waste to energy facilities that can generate electricity okay. from waste. So it's different from the old incinerator. That concept is is outdated. These modern waste to energy facilities are widely adopted in over 20 advanced economies in, in over 1,000 installations around the world. This has been proven to be Am I to be liable? And, reliable, and at, at the same time, it can convert waste to energy.
0: Um, well, I put my hand up. I live on South Tower, and we're all a bit worried about the air pollution from the ash that's going to be belching out of this thing.
2: Um, the technology we, u- we are going to use is the state-of-the-art uh, most reliable and proven technology.
0: Is it? Is it really the used latest, the newest one? I hear there's something called Plasma Arc, which is more sophisticated than this and well, cleaner.
2: The, around the world, the mainstream technology for converting waste to energy is still the, the uh, technology we are going to use called the moving grade technology. Other are still in the testing and piloting phase. They are more for the smaller scale application on a pilot phase. But, but we're talking uh, about a, co- quite a sizable. Facilities uh, that has to use uh, the reliable and proven technology.
0: Okay. That is what we're using. Okay. So, come on, tell us, right. why Seku Chow?
2: Well, I think uh, we have done uh, a comprehensive environmental impact assessment study. And, and who it audited
0: that? You guys, I
2: believe. Uh, well, this has been subject to the public uh, review, and it has been endorsed by the Advisory Council on the Environment. It has been done scientifically uh, in the most robust professional manner. And uh, the EIA actually showed that the site near the Seku is environmentally acceptable. That's to the who? first point. To who? Acceptable according to the standard we adopt in Hong Kong and the criteria laid down in the in the legislation. And we have adopted the most stringent emission standard used for these type of facilities, which is the European Union standards. So these facilities. And uh, what facility, are they? What are they? Well they are these these standards are, are to protect public health. Yeah, but uh, what is
0: the standard?
2: This standard covers all kinds of um, emissions, be they b- dioxins, uh, nitrogen dioxins, particulates, and heavy metals. So this standard uh, have been used worldwide, and it has been proven to be uh, sufficient to protect public health. But you're so just
0: going to burn everything, aren't you? So there's going to be all kinds of heavy metals in the, in the ash.
2: The technology would enable uh, 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 complete destruction of these toxic materials. And secondly, I think the uh, plant will be equipped with state-of-the-art emission control facilities to be able to meet the most stringent standard in the world. And the type of ways we are going to treat in this facility are no different from other ways of similar facilities in Hong Kong, uh, in, in the world.
0: But other places, they sort the rubbish before they throw it into the
2: bonfire. Well, there are places that sort the rubbish, but we are also sorting rubbish in Hong Kong. As I say, we are promoting a lumber recycling program at the same time at the community level. That's the first point. Secondly, the technology we recommend to use is able to treat uh, all types of waste, a uh, mixed waste, uh, and the technology is proven to be able to uh, convert the waste into energy and actually meet the most stringent emission standard okay. in the world.
0: So, what kind of energy will we get from this?
2: Well, we are talking about uh, each year there will be about 480 million kilowatt hours sufficient to provide electricity for 100,000 households. So it's a lot.
0: That was El of the EPD. He may not call it an incinerator, but the inhabitants of Chungchao, which is very close to Sheku certainly call it that. I went across to Chungchao, which is the nearest inhabited island next to Seku to talk to some of the residents about how they feel about the incinerator on their doorstep. Chemist and environmental consultant Martin Williams and living Chungchao representative Basil Hoy have plenty to say about it.
3: Well, there's several big problems with it, from Not sorting the waste from a very early problem, they're not not sufficiently emphasising recycling and lack of waste. We've already got too much waste. They should be spending money on that in the first place. The technology is dated, it's not very good. They're going to produce toxic gases, a whole lot of toxic ash that might be dumped in the sea south of Cheung Chau. That's there among the problems.
0: Tell us about the air pollution, because uh, I believe we could say that it's too dirty for Central, but it's okay for a pristine island off Lantau.
3: Yes, that's what I've been told by Elvis Howe of the EPD when I asked him once why they didn't put it in central if it was so clean. He said, no, it, the air quality objectives for the harbour area would be exceeded. So that means that they think it's clean, it, too dirty for the harbour and, uh, and yet clean enough to put in a relatively pristine area like this. And one argument is that there's a lot of north winds, which at times is true, not at all always, and that will blow it out over the China Sea as, as if that is some excuse for doing this thing.
0: But incineration is not the only option, surely, in this day and age?
3: Well, no, there's, there's, there's a lot of options. I mean, a, a huge one, really, when you see the amount of packaging, the ridiculous amounts of packaging in supermarkets and other stores and everything... It's just to reduce the amount of waste in the first place. We're pathetic at that. We're one of the highest throwaway nations in the world. We should do a lot to lower that. That was the government's plan some years ago. Incineration was to be the last option. And yet now it's become the central focus. Because they're kind of too incompetent, too lazy to really go at it. And also there isn't sufficient money for certain smart businesses to get all at once. You would have to put the money piecemeal around, around. So that doesn't interests some people and therefore a big ticket item. I think it appealed to Donald Chang a lot to do a big infrastructure project and that's what we've been lumbered with.
0: Whether or not it fits Hong Kong?
3: I think indeed, whether it fits Hong Kong or not, I think it will look absurd. If they ever build this next to Sheku Chow, it'll be really ugly, it'll be a monstrosity. Another thing is just simply the environment. This area in the UK, or many places, would be an area of outstanding natural beauty. The South Lantau Coast, Sheku Chow, the So Coast, a phenomenal place in the world, and you want to stick an incinerator on an island with a 150-metre chimney.
0: Martin, I believe there's an endangered species involved as well, isn't there? The, The finless porpoise.
3: Yes, the finless porpoise, it's globally vulnerable to extinction. It's got a cousin in the Yangtze that's already nearly extinct. This one around the world is just in, in, in a few places, relatively few places, and we have quite a good population, perhaps a few hundred animals living in South Hong Kong waters. And Sheku Chow is one of the best places, according to all the sightings. If you're going to look for it, your best chance is to find it pretty much where, exactly where the incinerator will go.
0: So it'll be goodbye to the porpoise if we have the incinerator here. It won't make
3: it extinct, I think, but it will reduce the numbers, and I think that's an atrocious thing to do in this day and age, simply for burning, building a gigantic bonfire for burning Lapsa.
0: So is this just a case of government people being too lazy to look at the most recent technology and think out of the box?
3: I think laziness is not really the answer. I think it's pig-headedness, I think it's real stubbornness on part of the government. They made the decision. They made it many years ago. And they're just not going to change it. I think also it's got embroiled in money. Maybe there's corruption involved. Who can say, really? It's hard to know. But with many billions of dollars, maybe 20 billion or more on the incinerator alone, another 8, 12 or more to go on landfills, then a landfill island south of Hong Kong, continuing contracts for things. There's some very cosy relationships have been developed over the years. And that would be disrupted if you were going to do things like recycling, which would bring a lot more jobs if we had recycling and reduction of waste. There'll be very few jobs made by that incinerator. It will be an appalling waste.
0: How many people will work there?
3: I think the number's only in the tens once it's operational. And there were ridiculous claims, say... It- because they've been struggling to find benefits, ideas that it will attract tourists and therefore Cheng will benefit from tourists. If you come to Cheung you will know we do not need more tourists right now. And also, who wants to go to an incinerator as a tourist attraction? It's a complete ridiculous idea.
0: Now, Basil, yes. you represent Cheung uh, in in an environmental way. What's the name of your group?
3: My um, goal is Living Cheung we are concerned about the uh, environment of Changzhou and, uh, and the air and the water and uh, everything about <laughs> Changzhou.
0: So, people on Changzhou are very concerned about this incinerator?
3: Yes, most people in Changzhou uh, dislike this incinerator. They are worrying about the uh, health, uh, the air pollution of the incinerators.
0: So, Martin, we're sitting here on Chau looking out across at Sekku Chao. What will we see when the incinerator is built?
3: Probably we won't see too much of a difference. It might be quite hard to see the chimney. Even it will be 150 metres high, most will be hidden from Chau. But that doesn't mean it won't be an eyesore, because if you take a ferry, you take a, you take a boat around these areas. If you go to South Lanto and try and enjoy the fantastic beach at Chengsha, or climb the hills like up Sunset Peak, you will look down and see a really big industrial complex really big for this kind of area with 150 meter chimney sticking out and that chimney alone should help tell you something that that is not a clean and nice operation if it were you would not need a 150 meter chimney
0: that was martin williams and basil hoy on chung chow thank you to both of you dr Merrin pierce is a sustainability expert and chairman of the living islands movement and he's going to explain what all this confusing stuff means
4: Well, I suppose if we backtrack and take a look at what the problem is. The government came out with this document called the Blueprint for Sustainable Use of Resources. A great plan, and there's some great options there. It's, again, implementing it. When we go through the issue, we've got over 9,000 tonnes per day of municipal solid waste being generated. The current plan that the government has is looking at taking 3,000 tonnes per day and treating that in something they call an integrated waste management facility, 99% an incinerator, with a small part, maybe 200 tonnes per day, of piloting automated waste sorting facilities on an artificial island. Now, so we're getting 3,000 tonnes will be handled by that. So we're already only talking about one-third of the waste or less than a third.
0: So one-third of the waste is all that the incinerator is going to process?
4: The integrated waste management facility, because there is this little recycling part on the side, so it's the incinerator oh. plus this little pilot part. Okay. But the part is that the technology that they're currently using is going to generate about a third of the volume that goes in comes out as ash. So when you look at the net loss going to the landfill, you might say, we take 3,000 tonnes in a barge to an artificial island, and we take 1,000 tonnes back and put it in the landfill. So really we're only saving 2,000 tonnes per day. So we've still got 9,000 tonnes per day. And they're talking about education, about recycling schemes to make an improvement. And as the figures show, we've not really made any improvement over the last five years. Maybe if we look a little bit further and how you look at what was being traded into China around waste coming through as recyclables into Hong Kong and going out, it's hard to look at the figures clearly.
0: It's very difficult to get a clear idea, isn't it? But the trend is definitely in the wrong direction.
4: Well, just static, whether it's the wrong direction or static. So what uh, a group of uh, professionals and interested individuals did was we got together and um, looked at that blueprint for the sustainable use of resources and said, well, what would we do if we had the option because most of us, when we looked at the EIA that was done for That's the, the Sheku-
0: environmental impact assessment.
4: Correct. Most of the indicators and choices along the way, I forget the number of, say there was like 12 of them, 11 of them pointed to going somewhere else, and then they just seemed to have one that indicated, oh, the best choice is over here. So when they chose Sheku Chow over the other options, then it was seem very biased. So stepping that back, and if we just changed a couple of the criteria they used in that environmental impact assessment and say, let's look for existing sites that are available, i.e. land, whether it's on land or already reclaimed land, Mm -hmm. so we can speed up the process because we hear the urgency that we've got short time to get rid of this waste. It's going to overflow our landfills, but they seem to be choosing an option that takes three years to build an uh, offshore island to start with whenever they start building it. So we get to the point of saying, let's look for sea access because we already have a lot of infrastructure for moving our waste around on barges. And um, we came up with this group that was, there's a website with it called Our Plan on wastehk.org. But basically it was looking at the existing landfill sites and getting them rezoned via the town planning board so that rather than only being able to be landfill sites, they could be integrated waste management facilities, i.e. recycling centres could happen there. You could put some pilot projects there for some of these other uh, technologies that are proven for a small scale, such as the plasma gasification technology and other types of incineration, to see how they work. Because we need some of those pilot schemes because the government keeps on saying it's not proven technology and even if it was proven overseas, I'm sure they would say it's not proven in Hong Kong we need to do a pilot. So let's get that pilot started somewhere. It hasn't happened. So we looked at the options and basically each of the three landfill sites, if they were rezoned, you could have uh, capacity by using the existing land that they've already now approved for expansion for these facilities to be trialled and used at a landfill site. The advantage of using the landfill sites, the rubbish is already going there, all the infrastructure is there. We're just really doing some more intelligent work on site.
0: But has that idea been put to the
4: government? It was put to the Town Planning Board, I would say, November 2013. It was about that time, so just over a year ago. Uh, unfortunately, that rezoning application that we put in uh, got uh, turned down and uh, so the fun thing is even if we look out at near the, the western part of Hong Kong where the Went landfill is, they don't actually have a, a gazetted plan for that area. Um, so there was an issue with trying to even start when you didn't have a plan to modify. The other two landfills uh, in the north, middle north and the east, have uh, plans that could have been used. and And we get to this situation where the Chunkwano residents were concerned about the smell coming off the landfill. Mm. Most of the smell from a landfill is the poor handling of food waste. And currently we just dump our food waste into landfills. So the government's got a plan for, and they've started building a 200 tonne per day organic waste treatment facility uh, on the north of Lantau. Uh, Remember that there's about 4,500 tonnes per day of food waste and they're building a 200-tonne per day at the moment. They're about to go or just gone out for tender for a 300-tonne per day. So 500 tonnes out of, say, 4,000 tonnes is uh, all they're planning to do with organic waste treatment facilities at the moment.
0: Dr Maren Pierce, thanks very much. Well, you've heard what the government said now. We have to reduce half of our volume of waste because they're only planning to incinerate half of it. I hope that makes some sense to you. Next week, I'll be doing Being a Teenager in Hong Kong and asking the question, do you know where your kids were last night? Until then, have a great week. Bye for now.
1: I don't want to set the world